This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 70 with Debbie Page Whitlock. This episode of the Shameless Mom Academy is sponsored by Ava, the first ever adaptive eating program. Ava helps you and your family learn about nutrition and how to live a healthier lifestyle. Track what you eat by snapping a picture with your phone, ask Ava any nutrition question, and get personalized meal recommendations. You can try it now for free by texting SHAMELESS to 48799. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Debbie Page Whitlock is a business and personal finance expert committed to the financial success of startups, solopreneurs, and small business owners around the world. An internationally recognized and award-winning business coach in Seattle, Debbie wants you to create the prosperity and good fortune you deserve. For two decades, she has helped women understand the foreign language of finance and gives them the tools to increase their cash flow, profitability, and business growth. Debbie has bought, built, and sold two separate businesses in her entrepreneurial odyssey and understands what it takes to generate sustained growth and achieve personal and business success. I had the pleasure of meeting Debbie a few years ago at a business networking event and I knew when I saw her, she was actually running the event. She facilitated this event. It was a couple hours long and I just knew from the way I watched her manage the event and listening to the things that she said and the multiple take-home messages I left with that day. I knew she was someone that I wanted in my inner circle. And there began the stalking because we all know I'm good at this. So 
Shortly after that, I heard that Debbie was going to be speaking at another event and I made sure that I went and this was a smaller event than the first one. So the first one was like a hundred women and the second one, I think there was maybe 15 of us. And I was like, okay, this is my chance. She will get to know me. I will get to know her. We will be fast friends. And basically that's kind of what happened. Not that day. That day approached her and introduced myself and said that I would maybe be interested in working with her as one of her, if she was taking new coaching clients. And then from there, we built a relationship. I became one of her clients and now we've had the opportunity to work together for the past few years. And when we're not working together, sometimes we get to see each other socially. So I actually got to go see Gretchen Rubin with her last week. So I know some of you saw me post that on Instagram, went to see Gretchen Rubin. And I was with a group of women prior to that having dinner and drinks and Debbie was there. And so now we get to see each other, our our paths cross at different events. And it's just great. Debbie is a wealth of knowledge about many things and someone whose opinion I really highly regard. But I knew I was thinking about this conversation around women and money. And when I thought about that more and more recently, I thought, oh my gosh, like, why have I not had Debbie on this show? And then I had another thought. So I knew I wanted to have her on the show. I asked her to do the interview. She was so kind and gracious and immediately got signed up. And we had a little conversation about that via email. And then Yesterday, I had another thought and I reached out to her and I said, Debbie, I want to ask you something really personal on the podcast. Would you be open to that? And she said, yes. So I'm thanking her in advance. Thank you, Debbie, for getting a little vulnerable with me on today's episode. So we have a lot of things that we cover. We dive really deep into different pieces of the relationship between women and money. Some of this is around the way we grew up. Some of it is around the way that money infiltrates like everything and whether we realize it or not. And we come from our parents' relationship with money and we bestow upon our children our relationship with money. So it's a really significant conversation. And you're going to hear as we talk today, you're going to hear Debbie talk about the power of that and the power of where you came from with money and where you're going with money and how it impacts your life, how it impacts you if you're a business owner and how it impacts you if you are a stay-at-home mom and your husband is in charge of the finances, or maybe your husband works and makes the money, but you're in charge of the finances and in charge of like paying all the bills. So there's a million different directions that these dynamics work. It's all really powerful stuff. And it's all something that we probably all need a little bit of education on and probably some reframing around. And so that's a conversation that we start today. And I hope that this conversation will lead you down into a deeper conversation about money with your partner, within your family, with your children. I think it's really significant, really important. There's just so many ramifications in relation to our relationships with money. I talk about my relationship with money growing up and kind of what that looked like in my family and how that has impacted me as an adult and how that has impacted my marriage. And then Debbie dives deep into her marriage and shares her very personal story of money in her marriage and in her divorce. So I'm really looking forward to having you listen in today. I know you're going to learn a lot. And without further ado, let's dive in with Debbie Page Whitlock. I want you to be sure to share this particular episode if it's helpful to you or if you think it might help someone else. I think this conversation is really important and I think it's a conversation that's not being had enough. I think there's not enough exposure on the power of money in our relationships, the power of women in money and the power of money in our marriages and the power of money in our relationships with our kids. So if this is meaningful to you or inspires you in any way or you think it would be helpful to someone else, please do share this episode. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com and this 
This is episode 70. So you can click on episode 70, get a link right there and share it out. It will also be on our Facebook page and our Instagram page at the Shameless Mom Academy, and you can share from there as well. So let's go ahead and dive in with the one and only Debbie Page Whitlock. Debbie Page Whitlock, thank you so much for joining us on the Shameless Mom Academy. I am so excited to be here, Sarah. I can't even wait to dive into this topic. Thank you. Oh, well, and this is exciting for me because having someone who's been such a mentor to me and someone who's really helped me in recent years, I feel like the roles are a little reversed and this is really special. So I'm really excited to dive into this information. Excellent. So we went through your bio and talked a little bit about where you've come from, but I want you to share a little more about your work with women over the last few years, because you have gone deep in a few different communities locally. And I just know your work with women is special to you, but I know it's special in the different groups that you work with. So can you explain a little bit about how you work with women? Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. My background. So, you know, big picture over two decades of working specifically with women in the area of money money brings up a lot of stuff for people. And so the first part of those two decades was spent as a financial advisor where I worked in the space with what I called suddenly and surprisingly single women. And these were my ladies who were recently widowed or were going through or had recently been divorced. And what I realized through that work was that many of them were launching businesses, right? So they were either inheriting business or life circumstances putting them in a place where they needed, you know, to create a new opportunity for income. And so when we would do our reviews, they would come in and we would look at their portfolios and that was all fun and, you know, things were good and I was good at that side of it. But what was really lighting me up was actually sitting down and talking to them about their business. And through that time, I had purchased scaled and sold one business already and was getting ready to do the second because I realized that, you know, business women were not starting their businesses because they knew how to run a business. They started their businesses because they were good at something. They had a passion. They found a purpose. They solved a problem, right? And then they would get just far enough down the road to realize, oh boy, I need to have some conversations about what's happening internal to my business. You know, my CPA is doing a great job with my taxes. My bookkeeper, you know, is taking care of my books, but I don't understand what all these numbers are trying to tell me. And I've always said that numbers are telling a story. And so I've really filled that space for business women and helping them understand what numbers mean inside their business and then to show them what levers and dials they need to push. Along the way, I've really entrenched myself, you know, in the women's business community, understanding that, you know, money is something that gives us choice. And so really helping women step into this place of power in their relationship with money and to have confidence. Because I know that when a woman makes money, she invests it back into herself and into her community. And oftentimes that starts with her family. And so if we can get more women doing that, that's where momentum starts to happen. And that's where big change starts to happen, you know, in the world. And the world can be the microcosm of your home. And it couldn't be, you know, much larger than that. So I'm hugely passionate about the conversation about women and money. And yeah, that's a little bit of the backstory. And so currently working as a business coach, you know, so I spend all day talking to women around the world, literally about what's happening inside their business and figure out how to put the systems and processes in place, you know, to increase their profitability. 
You make such a good point because I know that when you talk about women starting businesses and getting to a certain extent into the business before they realize like, wait, what do all these numbers mean? And how do I put all this together? And I think that maybe men do this too. I don't know. But I think that women are so passion driven or can be so passion driven that we want to follow our passion and the number part, we make it very secondary. And we're like, well, if I'm following my passion, like the money will come or I'll figure that out as I go. And I know that for me with my businesses over the last 13 years, I knew I was a really good personal trainer when I started out as a personal trainer. I did not know the first thing about owning or running a business. And I just kind of thought like, I'll figure it out as I go. Like, as long as there's money in the bank, I'm good. But I got to a point, and this was when we were working together a couple of years ago, where I was like, I mean, there's money in the bank, but like, how long am I good for? Because at a certain (laughs) level of business, like you have to know how much money do I need to sustain this business, you know, to a certain point and how quickly could it all crumble? And that becomes really scary as you get further and further into business. And so there's certainly, you know, when you're starting out and you're just, you're getting those first few dollars, it's such a overwhelming and prideful moment and time as a businesswoman. But then you get to this point where you're like, I need to get intimate with these numbers, like as much as I don't want to, you have to be responsible for that. And that's a huge responsibility. And it's not what we sign on for when we sign on for like, I'm going to follow my passion and help other people or serve people in whatever way we want to. And so I think that you make such a good point about the necessity of starting to understand that as you're following your passion. Yeah, well, you know, Sarah, you and I read the same, you know, material about women. And, you know, there's a reason in my mind that the number of women owned businesses continues to stay at about 2% of them ever reaching the seven figure mark, right? And so if I get stuck in kind of this circular conversation often with myself about if women are starting small business at twice the rate of men, and yet we continue to stay at this 2% of all women in business who get to a million dollars or more, where's the breakdown happening? And I truly believe that that breakdown is happening in that conversation that you just mentioned, which Mm -hmm. is we've got to start getting, you know, coaching and education around what does it mean to have a sustainable and scalable and potentially saleable business? Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you, look, not everyone wants to have a seven figure business. I get it. I was there. I grew it. I had it. I sold it. And I'm really, really comfortable saying it was a monster. And part of the reason it was a monster was I, at that time, again, this is, you know, a decade ago. So this is, you know, over 10 years ago, me did not have the systems and structure to support what had grown. And I didn't have the people on the team to help me either. Right. And so my answer to it was just get out of it. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. Right. But I do believe that there's a way that women can be really smart about building their empires, whatever that looks. If this is a woman who, you know, wants to bring in an extra $30,000 a year so her kid can go to a great, you know, private school, then great, we can do that, right? If there's a woman who wants to make $100,000 a year so that she can keep her kids in private school and, you know, she can take some fun trips with them and also have a life, like I can show her how to do that, right? Right. And if somebody really wants to grow something into that million-dollar business, you know, into those 250s, 500s, millions, and more, we can do that too. But it has to be based upon what is it that's driving you, internal motivation, external motivation, right? right? And I think that for women, like getting really caught up with, you know, what everyone else in the world is doing is not the best way to build that business, right? So getting clear inside before we start pushing to the outside. Yes, definitely. Definitely. How do you see women holding themselves back when it comes to money? And this might be women in business or just women in general, when it comes to money and growth, how do we hold ourselves back? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so this is our old friend, the upper limit problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so I call these the three amigas. And the three amigas are fear, doubt and worry. Yes. And so fear is probably not what most of the people listening to this are going to think. We hold ourselves back because we're afraid of success. Mm-hmm. It's not the failure that keeps us up at night. It's the holy mother load. What if this really works out? What if my idea is this great? What if it grows as big as it can, right? There's this internal tension. So fear of success is one of the amigos. Doubt, doubt of the ability. Can I really do that? Like, do I really have the skills, the mad skills to make this work? And then the final one, worry. That's about what the other people think. You know, it's the external thing. What are they going to think of me if I get too big, too successful, right? To this, to that. The people in my world are going to think I'm greedy. I'm right. And so these are the things that we are talking ourselves through in our head. Fear, doubt, and worry show up in a lot of different places in our lives, but especially when it comes to money. And I don't care again, this is universal, whether we're talking business, women, and money, or whether we're talking CEO, mom of the house, and money, right? Mm-hmm. Fear of success, doubt of your ability to handle it, and the worry of what other people are going to think, right? I mean, seriously, if you're the freak mom, and I say that with a lot of love, (laughs) that like manages to get your kid out the door, they're always totally polished and dressed, you're never late, you're perfectly quaffed, the car's always clean, there's no french fries (laughs) rolling around, right? That she does not, she does not exist. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, God bless her if she does, right? That's like a stepford mom. But there's this worry about like what other people would think, like, right? So we hold ourselves up to these standards. And again, money is one of the things where those three things show up over and over and over. And when you see those, like, do you have any advice for when we catch ourselves in those loops? Because I think that we're all, I mean, probably constantly in one of those. Oh, God. (laughs) If not all three. Even myself. I'm going to, you know, again, you know, talk about shameless, right? Look, I'm in here with you. I'm in here with the ladies, right? right? I wake up every morning and those three ladies, you know, feared out and worried, they're hanging out next to my bed going, hey, good morning. Like we're right here. <laughs> right here waiting for you. We're ready. Who do you want to hang out with for a while, right? I think the first thing that whether it comes to money, whether it comes to success in business is I'm a big believer in a physical state change. When I know that some of that stuff is coming up for me. Like I do really good gut checking, following the internal GPS on this stuff. When I know that's coming up, I have to do a physical reset. So that means that sometimes I have to get up off my bum. You know, as my personal trainer told me, you know, your butt is not meant to be a load bearing portion of your body, like get up and move, right? So I get up and I move, it will change how I'm thinking, right? So if I get myself caught in that loop, as you described, Sarah, change your physical state, get up, go for a walk, even if it's to walk into the kitchen, let the dog out, you know, go fold the towels that are still sitting in the dryer from yesterday, like whatever it is that you need to do, but get up and move. And then the second thing that I would suggest is any of these loops around money, business, you know, career transition, whatever, ask yourself this question, is it true? Is what I'm stuck in the loop about true? And so my answer will run from 100% true to no, that's not true at all. Right. And if there is some truth to it, then I get curious about that truth. Okay. So if there's a piece of this thing that I'm stuck on, that is true, what can I do to change that? You know, do I need to bring in another resource? Do I need to phone a friend? Do I need to talk to, you know, somebody in my inner circle? 
but it starts truly with a physical state. Like I will tell you, I will sit here in my office sometimes and I will get stuck on something and I'm just sitting here. But the minute <laughs> I get up and I move, it like shakes it loose, right? Yes. It just shakes that thing loose. And so I think that for anybody who finds themselves in that place, start with the physical part, you know, get curious about it, run it through, you know, the filter of how much of this is true from all to nothing. And if there is some truth to it, then what is it that I need to do to change that? If that piece of the truth is keeping me stuck, then what do I have to do to change that? Right, right. That makes sense. And I think that I've talked a lot about how you can just shift your perspective in any situation, whether it's money and related to fear, doubt, worry, or just any anytime you find yourself stuck in anything, I think changing your physical state or changing your surroundings, I think impacts everything. You know, I tell people like, go to the grocery store, the people at Trader Joe's will change your day if you let them. Right. So. They're the nicest people ever. There was, right. a, there was a sign that I saw once that said, if you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. <laughs> right? Yes. And it's the same. That's awesome. Right? Isn't that awesome? And it's the same thing with this. Like, if you can't change the situation, right. change the situation. Right. 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 So totally. it's just, it's a matter of, but we can all get stuck in that spin. Mm -hmm. Like, and it happens in all aspects of our lives. Like let's pop a dozen people on this call and we can all talk about what we got stuck spinning in this morning before right. we ever got coffee. <laughs> and I think the more isolating your experience is, whether that's your work experience, like for me working at home by myself, which I know is your work experience as well, mm -hmm. even though you're connecting with people all day, you're still sitting at home in your own physical space. And then, or if it's a mom who's at home with children all day, but she's still the only grown up in this space, I think in both of those capacities, like it's easy to get stuck in a loop. It's easy to be just be spinning on something. And that's when that fear, doubt and worry really start taking over because you don't have outside forces. And I feel like in office situation, that can be very different because there's just, you know, random interruptions and transitions throughout your day that really you have that constant change in physical state, constant change in surroundings. And I think sometimes that can be beneficial where it's a little different if you're someone who's in one, in a solitary or or individual work situation or home situation all day. Yeah, absolutely. Because you got nobody to say, <laughs> snap out of it. Right, right. Right. I mean, there's like, there's none of that. And there's nobody down the hall that you have a next meeting with. Like, right. you're just sitting, you know, on your bum the whole sitting time. Sitting and, and stewing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Never a good thing to do. Yeah. That's not a stew that's good. Right, right. Do you think a woman's relationship with money predicts her professional success? And if so, how? <laughs> yeah, great question. So, what I've learned from, you know, back in the day when I was the financial advisor is that an unhealthy relationship, and I'm going to use that term really broadly here. So everyone just hang out with me for a second. An unhealthy relationship with money is not terminal, right? And so I think what happens is that people can make bad choices early and they can be fixed. I do believe that you know, when it comes to what money means to us and how we look at money that and how we're raised with money, male or yes. female, these are things that we bring with us into our adulthood, right? And if we don't sit down and have some serious conversation with ourselves and do some self-education around money, money mindset, the emotion around money, then we're going to stay kind of back to this loop conversation, right? We're going to stay in these same patterns, Right. Why is it that some people always have money? Why is it that some people who get money always spend money, right? There's an unconsciousness that starts to happen. And when we become conscious with our money, there is a complete shift that happens. Again, personal finances and business finances. I do believe, though, that 
If you have an unhealthy relationship with money, it will hang out with you as long as you let it uh-huh. until the day is, because it's not going to fix itself, right? right? There's something about spending and saving and the emotions. So if we talk about like healthy and unhealthy relationships with food, same thing with money, healthy and unhealthy relationships with food. There are people who hoard money. That's not terribly healthy. There are people who are frivolous spenders. That's not terribly healthy. There are people who are chronically in debt. That's not terribly healthy, right? So we have to start doing some work. I know that, you know, a lot of women, you know, look, personal finance isn't something that's taught in school, period. It wasn't taught in my school. It was, you know, we might have had, you know, a small conversation about currency, but we certainly didn't talk about how to make a budget. Right. What is a spending plan? What does it mean to live within our means? Why is it important to start, you know, saving early, you know, helping children? understand the compounding effects of money and the time value of money and what that really does, right? If we can start having these conversations with young girls in particular early and make learning about money a game, I truly believe that the next generation of women will have a completely different relationship with money. But we all have to empower ourselves and start having that conversation and taking it on as our own responsibility, not leaving it for someone else to do. Right. Right. That was actually something that came up before my husband and I got married. And maybe I've shared this with you before at some point when we talked about money over the last few years, but we went to premarital counseling and I don't remember how money came up, but it was at some point it came up and the therapist was like, well, let's, you know, let's talk about money. She said, everyone has a relationship with money. So like, for sure, you're each bringing your relationships with money into this marriage. And that was so eye opening to me. And I'd never considered that. And then we talked about like our childhood and what was money like in your childhood. And like, for me, it was always a scarcity thing, like being raised by a single mom. And it was like, when is payday? And we have, I remember my mom saying things like, and not to freak, I don't think it was to freak us out. I think it was like to keep things real for us. But over the long term, I think it did freak me out about money that she would say things like, well, you know, I only have a dollar and 17 cents to last until Friday and things like that, where I was very, like my relationship and my connection to money was always like scared and like, well, I have to make sure that there's something there because what if I'm about to run out before next Friday? Like, and I kind of became a money hoarder and my college roommates made fun of me for it because I would say like, Oh, I'm so broke and I have no money. And they're like, you're the roommate who says she's broke when she only has $250 in the bank that right. she never touches. And like my other roommate, she's like, when I say I'm broke, I have a quarter like on my dresser. That's it. <laughs> I don't have a hidden account. <laughs> this episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Yeah, exactly. I learned that from my mom. Like, you know, do you dole out money to certain places? And then you like have this little stash, like the just in case emergency fund. (laughs) And so it was interesting going through this in premarital counseling, talking about our past with money and our experiences with money and how we do bring unique relationship or we each bring our independent relations with money into a marriage. And that's, that's a lot. And I know for Vince and I being older when we got married and we both had our own businesses and, and we dated for so long before we got married, like we have a system that's very unique and we keep a lot of things separate, which is not traditional at all, but it's worked for us. But it's like, it's a lot of conversations about money. And I think that everyone comes from their own place and then has to work within their own system. Well, I totally agree. And you know, you know, kudos to you and Vince. I mean, seriously, like, premarital counseling and kudos to the person that you were working with who said, let's talk about money, right? Right. Because we know that one of the major contributors to divorce in America is money, Mm -hmm. right? And part of it is we just won't have those conversations. You know, I was having a conversation last month. I was at a networking event and I met this amazing young woman, complete millennial, great perspective, super savvy, But her conversation and mine was because the conversation about money came up and she's like, Deb, like I'm sitting here with all this student loan debt and I'm 30 
And I feel like I need to eliminate that debt before I can enter into a relationship because who would want me? Wow. Right. And I was fascinated and I had to stop her for a second. And I said, you know, first of all, thank you for, you know, being so bold and sharing that with me. And can I just, you know, hang out with this and ask some more questions? Like, is this a you thing or is this a more of a prevalent conversation among millennial, you know, men and women? And she said, it's a conversation that we as a generation are having over and over again. I was like, isn't that fascinating, right? But we have to start having conversations. You know, when I did my work as an advisor, Sarah, and this is something that, you know, I don't believe there's a one size fits all for anything, right? Nothing should be spoken. See, I just said it. Nothing should be (laughs) spoken in absolutes. That's why I always find the irony of that sentence, right? (laughs) But things like, you know, this is the way that, you know, finances must always be handled in the household. I believe that every couple who will ever listen to this and every individual who will ever listen to this needs to find what works for them. Ask other people how they manage their finances and come up with a system that works for you. Right. I used to advise my young clients who would start working with me to have quarterly financial family summits. And this is where they brought it all to the table, right? Because there's money is about control and power, right? Mm-hmm. The one who has the information has the control and has the power. And if we're going to put a couple into a conversation and into a relationship that is based upon, you know, equal access and partnership, then we need to stop this power struggle with money. So I would encourage them to do that on a quarterly basis. I always would say to them, you want to do this not in your home, right? Do not do your quarterly financial family summit at your house because the kids are going to have a meltdown. You know, the laundry is going to need to get changed. One of you is going to get pissed off and want to go marching out the door. The phone's going to ring, whatever. You know, you treat this. It's not date night. It's a business meeting when it comes to your family. Go to your local coffee shop, go sit in your favorite, you know, hotel lobby, hang out, talk for however long you need, hour, hour and a half about what's happening with the finances, you know, and then go to dinner, you know, and then, then go do your thing. You're going to be better behaved in public for the most part, you're going to work to come to an understanding as opposed to sometimes inside the walls of our home, we don't bring our best self to that conversation, right? And we can fall into some old habits. So I truly believe that, you know, good on you again, that you and Vince were able to come to that. And I just would really encourage other women and men who are listening to this, like, if you're not having some kind of a family financial summit with your partner, figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, That means, you know, lifting up the kimono and you got to own it, right? No more secret accounts, no more secret credit cards, because I'm here to tell you one of my most admired colleagues, you know, said this to me a few years ago. She said, secrets keep us sick. Mm -hmm. And when you're keeping secrets about anything and anything related to money, your situation will never change. That makes a lot of sense. So yesterday I was having a conversation with a woman about this is funny that this all came because I wasn't going to go into like the conversation I wanted. I initially thought we would have. I didn't think it would have to do a whole lot with marriage and money. And then yesterday I had this conversation with a woman, a colleague of mine, and she was talking about her need to feel financially independent in her marriage, especially when things are rough. And so she's going through a bit of a rough patch like right now and thinking, like, oh my gosh, I need to have my ducks in a row financially in case this all falls apart. And we had a conversation about how women feel that way and if that's a normal thing to feel and you know how prevalent that might be. She and I were both raised by single moms and we both have this sense of really high need to feel financially independent in our marriages. And not because we necessarily, you know, she's going through a rough patch right now.
right now, but she's always had this need. And I have that need. And I think it has to do with like, I want to know if what happened in my past were to repeat itself. If a guy were to walk out, how would I take care of myself? And so it was an interesting conversation. She brought that up. And I said, oh, this is such funny timing. I'm talking with Debbie Whitlock tomorrow about money and women and all this stuff. So then I thought, I have to ask you, it's very important for me to feel financially independent. And I know that you work so much with women and and their relationships and money and marriage, but you also have your own story about money and marriage after having worked with women on this for so many years. So share the personal and professional take on this a little bit. We are going to dive into marriage and money, and Debbie's going to share her personal story about money in her marriage and money in the end of her marriage. But first, a word about our sponsor. Mamas, have I told you about my new friend, Ava? So Ava is the first ever healthy eating assistant that allows you and your family to learn about nutrition and how to live a healthier lifestyle. Ava is totally different than other weight loss software or other weight loss programs you might've used on your phone through apps on the internet because Ava is powered by cutting edge artificial intelligence and the expertise of real life registered dietitians. So this allows you to connect with Ava and very simply get information from her via text and photos. So you can take pictures of your food and ask for advice. You can take pictures of your food and ask what's in it and ask the calorie count or ask the macronutrient makeup. So you can ask how much fat is in this? How much protein is in this? How many carbs are in this? You can also ask Ava questions like, hey Ava, what should I have for lunch today? Or, hey, Ava, I'm at Chipotle. What should I order? So Ava is like your nutritionist in your back pocket all the time. You can ask questions all the time. You can send pictures over all the time. You can get a ton of information on a moment's notice. So you have this nutrition information at your fingertips without having to do a ton of data entry to do these calculations and learn more about what you need in any given day. Ava can just give you that information immediately. So if you've been looking to healthify your lifestyle and kick up your nutrition a notch and really wanting to involve your family with that too, this is a great way to involve kids. Ava can help you with involving the whole family with this process. So Ava has invited the Shameless Mom Academy to come try out a free membership by texting SHAMELESS to 48799. So head on over, text 48799 and get in touch with Ava today. Yeah. If you don't mind me diving right in. (laughs) No, you know, and thank you. You know, you did a great job. And I said to you last night when you, you know, broached this topic with me, I said, I trust you and I trust where this conversation will go. So The personal story, which I kept very quiet as I was navigating my way through it, and I'm only now coming to a place where I feel, you know, to the general quote unquote world, right, more confident talking about it is that March of 2014, I moved out of my home and began the process of ending my 20 year marriage. And there were a lot of reasons that that marriage came to an end and money was at the table right? Money was a part of that conversation. So there's two things to know. For the vast majority of that marriage, I was the primary wage earner. And in the later years, I was the sole wage earner. And in my marriage, we did not have children. They weren't meant to be part of our plan. It wasn't at the, you know, I didn't not have kids because I was building my empire. It just (laughs) didn't happen, right? And so my husband at the time would think, you know, we would joke, And he would talk about how, you know, you go work, babe, like I'll just stay home and take care of the dog, right? And that all seems fine and good, but our society is so built upon money as a scorecard, especially among men. Yeah. And when we, 
don't fit the typical, I'm going to put air quotes around that, or traditional family model of, okay, so you've got a powerful woman making a lot of money and there are kids and so dad's going to be Mr. Mom. Like our society can wrap our head around that. And yet there's still a little bit of judgment around that, right? right? From men and from women. Yeah. So in my financial planning practice, when I had it, I really saw women coming into my office who were on their path of divorce, very smart, very successful women, never did any one of them come into me 100% confident that they were going to be okay. And I'm talking about women who had multiple millions of dollars in assets. They didn't know if they would be okay. That was the first question they would say to me is, Debbie, please tell me I'm going to be okay. Like, please tell me I'm going to be okay, right? right? And so we had to do some work to figure out what okay meant to them. I do know, and I understand what that's like. I also know what it was like separating out, and now I'm supporting two households, right? I am supporting the household that I was in Mm -hmm. while we're navigating and extracting ourselves, and I'm supporting this new household that I'm living in on my own, right? And so trying to navigate through that and figure out, like, money does give us choice, and money does give us power, and just because I was the primary wage earner didn't mean that it really gave me any more control, which I think is what at a time when things were spinning out of control, I really wanted. It didn't give me any more control than anyone else going through that same situation. Yes, I knew what it was going to take when I left. I knew what I was going to need to have squirreled aside to set up my new home. I knew what I was going to have to set aside so that I could live on my own. And I had to figure out how I was going to make that happen. And I knew that I had a short runway right? I knew that it had a short runway. But I do believe that there are women, and we were talking a little bit about this before we jumped on this call, there are women who feel trapped in unhealthy relationships and money is at the root of this. Because like I said a minute ago, money is about power and control. The one who has control of the money has the power. And that's why I think that, again, the earlier we can get young girls and young women to start talking about money, and talking about it openly, right? Like I would love to have a reality show that would challenge, you know, the desperate housewives of whatever. Or, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I know there's a reality show. That's right up my alley. Right, exactly. So we've got these, all these reality shows. We've got, you know, the Kardashians. We've got like all these reality shows, right? About these glamorous, whatever, whatever lives. What I would really like is a reality show where women are coming together and talking about money. Look, if the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills can sit around and talk about sex, right, for an hour, and people will listen, right, we as a culture and a society can find entertainment and humor and fun. And in many ways, it's been empowering and it's given women opportunity to have those conversations where they might never have had it. Why couldn't we do the same thing with money, right? Why is it that money has to be this desperate, dark secret that no one wants to talk about, right? I want women to be able to have those conversations because money gives us choices. And when we really understand that financial impact, and like I said, it was not easy for me to decide for a thousand reasons about separating and ending my marriage. But I also know that money was a contributing problem in our conversation around the future of our relationship. And there was a self-worth conversation that my husband was having that I wasn't being included in, right? He was having it with himself about, you know, what is my purpose? What is my worth here? Like I said, there were other things that were going on in the marriage too. And 
what I wish is that younger us, and I thought truly, you know, and again, this is me being really candid here. I'm working in the space of money. I'm talking about money all day. I'm bringing home money conversations every day. I'm opening the door to have money conversations every day. But it ultimately became this power struggle, right? It became a power struggle and it became this place where his worth was so wrapped up in what he perceived on the outside, people thought of him, right? Mm -hmm. And he just couldn't get himself to rise to that occasion to, you know, head back out and, you know, be the success that he had the capacity to be. Right. He and was I, he was waking up to fear, doubt, and worry. <laughs> absolutely. And he and you know, again, God bless him, man. You know, there was no stopping that spin because right. that was a spin. And that's the caution that I have for all of us, right? Is that we have to be able to do that. I'm now at a place where I want to talk about money. I want to be really candid and upfront with just about everyone in my life about money. I want to make sure that they're having those real conversations around money as much as they are with me, right? That they'll do the same inside their own family. Right. You know, if money is something that's a stress and a pressure point and a trigger, it's a cause of divorce. Again, it was a contributing factor in mine. I sure wish that we could get more people coming to the table to have these conversations. And I will also say this, we had the family financial summits. We did talk, I thought, openly about our money, but secrets keep you sick, right? And so on the other side of my marriage, there were secrets about money. And those secrets were things that I didn't get to know about until way too late. What I would say to anybody who's listening to this call who needs to come clean, right, who has something that they need to fess up, I think it's just really important, you know, in honoring any relationship that you're in to really show up fully as who you are. And if that means that you come with, you know, like the young woman, the millennial I was talking about with a $30,000 of college debt, then as she becomes involved in a relationship, I think putting that out there with confidence and as a matter of fact, and then having a conversation around that, right. like, what does that really look like? And then let the other person decide. There are some people who would say, no way, Jose. Like I know people who during the financial crisis, you know, lost everything. They lost their marriage. They lost their home. They lost their 401k, the foreclosure, like everything. And so now as they go back out as adults into the, you know, relationship world, some of them are keeping that information secret. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're starting a relationship with secrets, they're like snowballs. They're not going to get smaller, right? <laughs> it's just going to continue to grow, right? It's this thing that starts to go downhill. So what I know is that, you know, money is definitely something that as couples, we have to be able to have confident conversations around. And sometimes it's even a matter of saying, look, I don't know everything I want to know. And it's not about challenging you and your ability. I just want to understand. I mean, I'll even go to the point of saying this, like in my own parents' marriage, right? They've been married for 47 years now. Your parents are the cutest, by the way. <laughs> I Love see them. your parents' exchanges with you on Facebook. And your, doesn't your dad like text you every morning? <laughs> yes. My so parents cute. text me every morning and every night. And my dad, I told him he's in his mid-70s. And I told him, I said, I really need to find a job for you where he becomes some brand's social media manager. Like, <laughs> He is the most positive person. He he's is. Always, he's so 
high-fiving and thumbs up and man when I got them those iPhones and he figured out what an emoji was like look out world that is so funny no he they, he really he's so cute I love your Facebook exchanges with each yeah, other they're it's, hilarious yeah you know but like, I'm watching them right so you know here's a relationship you know 47 years my mom has always paid the bills my dad brought home the money right? Mm -hmm. They've been retired now for a number of years. My dad has had a lot of health challenges and my mom has just always been the one who handled the finances. But up until probably three years ago, they never really talked about it. They never really talked about the state of the state, right? They live on a fixed income. They're fortunate because their home is paid off. Their cars are paid off. They made good money choices, right? But they made plenty of money mistakes Mm -hmm. early, early on. And these are the things that If this is what was modeled, right? So we talk about, you know, how we were raised with money. It's no wonder that even in my own marriage, it took me getting into financial services to start to understand what wasn't happening in my own relationship. And so then to start bringing those conversations in and thinking I was having them, but then I wasn't really having them, right? Mm -hmm. We have to come to that place. And again, if we think about this, just what we're talking about right now, how does that impact our kids? right? Those little people are sponges. They're watching. Yes. They're seeing everything that happens. If you've got this poverty mindset, you're starting to build that into them as opposed to having healthy conversations about money, age appropriate conversations around money, right? We don't need to tell the three-year-old that, you know, we're broke as a joke until the end of the month, mm-hmm. right? But we do get to start creating some framework for them to understand the value of money and the time it takes to make money, right? And then the choices we make and where we spend or invest it. We can do that. Like, again, I truly believe like the next generation of young people will have a totally different relationship with money. Yes. One of the things I worry about with with Vinny and the age of Amazon is that his well, he's four. He has very little concept of money. He has a piggy bank and he puts money in his piggy bank, but I don't think he understands that he can actually spend it somewhere at some point. So we're starting to talk a little bit about that. But yeah. he sees me get think, order things on Amazon and I order things frequently enough because of convenience sake that he has this understanding that like you go to Amazon, you click on something and then two days later it arrives on the front porch. And I- the first time I, I asked him, this was like a year and a half ago, probably I was getting shoes for him and I said, Hey Vinny, come here. And I showed him these tennis shoes and I said, do you want like the green ones or the red ones? I was just letting him pick the color and he picked them. And then he was like, well, then he saw, he was like, well, I want them right now. And I said, no, no, no. Like they're going to come in the mail. It'll be two days. And right after I did that, I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is how he thinks you get things in the world. You just like point and click and it shows up and that's really dangerous. (laughs) And so now he'll say things like, well, we'll just get it on Amazon. And I'm like, wow, like we need to start having a conversation about (laughs) money and Amazon and how things show up on our doorstep because he does understand, this is hilarious. He understands with Legos that Legos are of varying degrees of expense. And so when he has a sticker chart and he fills a sticker chart, he can go pick out a Lego set, but we'll tell him like, you can pick out this one or that one, but certain ones like on the bottom shelf, like those ones are way too expensive. Those are the really expensive ones. So he'll say now when he asks, he'll be like, well, can I have this one? Or is this one of the expensive ones? So we're starting to like have a little bit of that conversation, but I can see how dangerous it would be Mm -hmm. in a point and click world for a child to have no concept of money till quite old because mom and dad are just pointing, clicking, ordering, like there's no exchange of money in so Mm -hmm. many cases. And so you really have to 
go out of your way to have that conversation and really make sure that it's on, on the family radar and the kids radar to be involved in that and not just like something that the parents talk about after the kids are in bed and after things have just magically <sighs> appeared in the house. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, if you think about it, so, you know, his concept of point and click and things just like, you know, you go online and it shows up the next day, like there's that disconnect, right? So think about this. And this also goes back to how I person, we'll talk about this in a second, how I feel about having money, right? Mm -hmm. Actually having cold, hard cash in your hand. Right. When I was a kid growing up, my version of that was I didn't understand why mom would say, no, we can't get that. We don't have money because what I saw her doing was she still had checks in her checkbook. Right. And to me, if there were checks in the checkbook, then there was money. Right. But again, I didn't get it as a little kid that there had to be money in an account somewhere to cover that check. Right. Right. And it's that same kind of thing. But I also believe that we've become really disconnected with our money. Right. I'm all about efficiency and I love to see things automated. But I worry at how disconnected we've become like, you know, one click purchasing. Thank you very much, Amazon. Like that makes it super easy. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to think about that $39, that $49, that $109, whatever it is. So I think there's a couple of things that people can do to start to create a connection back to their money. Mm -hmm. One of the things I would always love to give my financial planning clients as an exercise was I want you to pull up all your bank and credit card statements and I want you to tally up everything that you have on auto pay all your monthly subscriptions, you know, your 9.99 recurring, 19.99 recur like all those recurring things and I want you to list them out, right? You just need to grab, you know, one month statement from all your accounts, all your credit cards and list them out. And then I want you to take a look at the total. You know, I've done that exercise with people where we've got a thousand or two thousand dollars a month in 9.99 and 19.99 subscriptions going out and the vast majority of the time 
80% or more of those subscriptions, those people haven't looked at it in at least two months, right? So that's a lot of money. And so where we get disconnected is we set it up on auto pay, which is what, you know, the subscription provider wants us to do. It's like, you know, that's what they want us to do. And, and they're super happy that we're doing it, right? But at the end of the day, I would have people who had such a disconnect with their relationship that they would do that. And they come in and they go, yeah, but, you know, look, it's only $19 for this and $9 from that. I'm like, yeah, let me put this in the context. <laughs> if I threw 20 bucks on the ground or $10 on the ground, would you just walk over it or would you bend over and pick it up? Well, I bend over and pick it up. All right. And that's what I'm asking you to do here because it's not just $9.99 or $19.99. It's $9.99 times 12, $19.99 times 12. When people always say, would say to me, like, I don't have money for dot, 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 I would look at them and say, that is highly unlikely. And I would bet within 30 days, I can find you that money. You may not be happy with what I tell you you need to do, <laughs> but I can find you that money. So it's about choices, right? Yeah. The other thing is I really want people to start carrying cash again. My girlfriends laugh at me all the time because I always have at least $100 in my wallet at least $100 of cash. And I think about that money and I think about how I'm going to spend it. I give myself an allowance every week and it becomes a game for me in how much of that money do I spend or keep on any given week, right? right? So I run a budget. I know I have money that's allocated for girlfriend time and happy hour and networking and business development, right? You know, I've worked with people to do that old fashioned envelope system, right? If somebody really wants a fundamental way of getting conscious about their money and saving, we'll just, you know, go get a box of plain white envelopes and I can get you set up in, you know, in less than a day and we can have a whole system of envelopes about how you can pay your bills, how you can save. But there's such a disconnect now between, I mean, they've made it so easy for us. We don't even have to remember a pin anymore. Right. Money is, it's a very nebulous concept now. Right. It's like, it doesn't really actually exist because it it just, it's exist. just moved between accounts mm -hmm. online. <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's not really there. Right? right. It used to be that, you know, there was a big vault at a big bank and that's where my money was. Right. It's not there. It's some kind of data transfer somewhere in the ethers. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's my money. Right. So if I go online and I look at my bank balance, you know, that money isn't there. Right. If I wanted to go empty my account, I actually have to let my bank know I'm coming in to close my account because they got to figure out what they're going to do. Yeah. Right. So we have to start getting more conscious about our money, conscious about our spending, conscious about our savings. You know, that's something we haven't even talked about. But, you know, as a country, like we are not saving appropriately, period. Give us a, do you have a, a couple saving tips for us? Absolutely. I'm sure I, you have more than a couple. But. Absolutely. Because <laughs> um, I think that's I, a really valuable conversation. <laughs> and I wanted that would be good to touch on before we wrap here. Yeah. So I believe you need to pay yourself first before you pay all your other bills. The first payment you need to make out of every paycheck is to yourself. And that's your savings. Right. And so some of you are probably having things auto deducted for retirement. That's great. That's part of the pay your first. But I want you to be allocating a certain amount per pay period per paycheck you know, if you're somebody who, you know, does contract work per contract that is specifically going into your savings account, right? Mm -hmm. That's where it needs to start. Again, we have to get conscious because I got to tell you, someday is coming fast. <laughs> yes. And the older we get, the faster she comes at us, right? So really starting to get conscious about it and having a conversation with yourself and your partner about what does that really look like? right? What does that really look like? You know, there's so many people who unfortunately, you know, during the last downturn used their house as an ATM. Mm -hmm. 
and you know the house was supposed to be the great asset and that's not the case right that's not the case so get conscious with your spending get conscious with your saving take a look at where the money's going i guarantee you everybody listening to this has at least $200 a month that they're frittering away on something and if they're always saying they're too broke to take a trip or to do this we can find $2400 over the course of a year minimum and i'm confident i can help you find more I know one of the things you had me do and one of the things I've heard you talk with other women about doing is calling companies and asking, like saying, like, how can I make this bill lower? Calling Verizon and saying, which I've done, why yeah. am I paying almost $300 a month for my phone bill when I know people on AT&T are paying $150 a month for the same service? So, yeah. And yeah. same thing with Comcast. And there's, you know, there's these big companies where you can get your bills lowered. It requires a phone call and a conversation. It's not fun because no one likes calling those companies, but there's yeah. things that you can do to change those dollar amounts. I can. And I do believe also that for women, it's a great exercise in negotiation yes. because as women, we often ask for what we think we can get, not what we really desire. And right. so I think, you know, if we rewind all the way back, you know, to one of the questions you asked me about, you know, a woman's relationship with money, predicting her professional success, if we rewind all the way back to our first jobs, how many of us can confidently say we actually countered the first salary we were offered, or did we just take it? Most people will say, I just <laughs> I'm thinking of my first job right now and thinking, but they offered me 1025 an hour. And that was right. so much. That was so much. Because <laughs> everywhere exactly. else was offering me eight an hour. So I was like 1025, like, I don't need to negotiate. Like I'm going to be living big. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and that's just it. And yet there was also a part of us that, hmm, I wonder. I wonder if I had asked for 1050. Right. If they would have given it to well, me. Well, I found right? out that my male counterpart was offered 1050 out of the gates and we had the exact same education and experience. And that and was this, like the first time I was like, what? Yeah. Like, why didn't I ask for more? And why does he get more? I mean, it was like it opened a whole can of worms. But yeah, yeah it was, it's a whole problem. I mean, yeah. truly, Sarah, that is a whole problem with women. And that's part of the reason why, you know, in non entrepreneurial world, like stepping back into corporate world, why women are continually one of the contributing factors behind the eight ball is that we are starting our salaries lower because we don't negotiate. And it is more often than not, our male counterpart, same experience, same education, is starting that same position with a higher salary. And we have to start doing something about it. And we also start, again, back to our young girls and women. We have to have these conversations with them. We have to teach them how to negotiate. Men look at negotiation as a game. When women negotiate, they're looked as, you know, as being pushy or rude or whatever. Or can you believe that? Da, 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 da. A dude does that and everyone expects it. I can't tell you a guy that I hired that didn't try and negotiate a higher commission rate with me. And yet every woman who came in never, ever asked for a higher commission rate. Mm -hmm. And unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot more conversation. I mean, that conversation, I think, is really opening up. And I hope that it continues. I think it will continue to do so. Yeah, I think it will continue to do so. I mean, I'm really hopeful for that. And then I would also say to all the mums listening to this, you know, be careful what we wish for, right? We <laughs> teach our children how to negotiate. I mean, some of those little suckers are pretty good negotiators already, <laughs> it's right? It's true. I mean, like, let's just send them into the UN because it's quite <laughs> impressive what they can make happen. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. So, Debbie, I have one last question. This has been so 
amazing and helpful. And I appreciate everything that you've shared and especially sharing some of your own personal experience with all this and being really open and vulnerable about that. That's valuable. I mean, one of the my favorite parts of this podcast is having people share their stories. So I appreciate you doing that on a personal level within this significant, larger conversation about money. Yeah. So the last thing I want to know is tell us about the legacy that you're building and how does being shameless contribute to your legacy? Mm, thank you. All right. So here it is. Uh, the legacy I'm building, sustained financial independence for women around the world. You know, and that is no small task. And in order to do that, the shameless part of it that contributes to that legacy is I have to be willing to have difficult conversations. I have to be willing to continue to push that envelope. I also have to continue to be willing to be visible, incredibly visible, sometimes annoyingly visible about <laughs> all things related to finance and conversations around money professionally and personally, and it can get exhausting. Mm -hmm. And yet I truly believe that, at the, you know, when my last day comes on this planet, when my last day comes on this planet, I know that someone somewhere will have been able to make a different choice, a better choice to create their sustained financial independence that gave them the choice to do the work they wanted to do, to make the impact that they wanted to make in their world, in their family. And I know then that's what it's all about. Right. I may never meet this woman. I may never see her face. I may never know her name. But I know that if I continue to do this somewhere, some woman will be able to say, I have now achieved sustained economic independence for myself and for my family and now I have the ability to make the choices that are most important to me. I love that. I lo thank you very much for that. So tell us where we can find you. I know you have, you're online in a few places or a couple places. Tell us where we can find you, where you would like us to look and anything. I love it. So you can find me on the interwebs. Uh, my virtual home is debbiewhitlock.com. That's D-E-B-B-I-E-W-H-I-T-L-O-C-K.com. Um, I love Facebook. If you are somebody who is an entrepreneur, is interested in starting a business or is growing a business, I run a private Facebook group called The Profit Lab that I moderate. And I bring up topics around running a profitable business. It's become a forum. There's about 400 people in there now. It's a no-no to the promo zone. So there's no pitch festing happening. It's really just, you know, great entrepreneurs and sharp business people coming together to have conversations around money. And then, of course, you can find me, you know, again, Facebook is my preferred playground. Debbie Whitlock, uh, pretty easy to find. Not the photographer not the insurance agent, the business coach. <laughs> so I, I will, I will link to all of those pages. I'll look, I'll link your website and then both of those Facebook pages. I'm awesome. just making a note of that right now. Also too, Sarah, you know, because one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk, you know, hugely about, and I'll send this to you and you can put it in your show notes, but okay. there is an article because I think there's, you know, some significant gender differences that we want to explore Yes, between men and women. And so, you know, part of the way to challenge the stereotype is we have to name the stereotype and then we have to get in with it and hang out with it. But there's a really great article on daily worth that I reference with a lot of people who are trying to wrap their arms around what are the gender differences between men and women and money. And so I'll send you the link to that and you can include it. It's a, it's a short read and an easy way to wrap your head around it. I think this fellow, he's a CFP, 
put together a really great way of, of looking at it. So I'll send that over to oh, you. Awesome. Thank you. So all of these links and pages will be over in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com. And this is episode 70. So you can find episode 70 and then get access to all of this information. Debbie, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everything you're doing to support women in their ventures, following their passions, but also doing it in a way where they can be profitable um, <laughs> and also just helping women improve their relationship with money. So thank you so much. Uh, thanks for asking me, Sarah. It really was an honor to be here. And I'm so proud of you and what you're doing and all the conversations that you're having and the shameless way that you're going about it. So congratulations oh, to you. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right. So I'm going to guess you learned a few things today, right? I told you this was a big episode. I'm sure you picked up some big takeaways, some big ahas as I did in this conversation. So if you did, I want to hear about it. Feel free to reach out to me and let me know personally what you enjoyed about this episode. You can contact me at info at shamelessmom.com. I read all of the emails that come in. I always get people who email that address and they say, is this really Sarah? I'm like, yes, it is. I do read all of my emails that come in. I am info at shamelessmom.com. So it's just me. So yes, please send me your feedback on this episode. I would love to know what you thought. I would also love a review. If this episode was meaningful to you, you can head over to shamelessmom.com forward slash review to leave a quick review for us. It's a simple process. There's a little button that says write a review and just mention that this episode was whatever it was to you. Amazing, powerful, life-changing, transformative, whatever it was for you. But I would love to hear that as well and read your reviews over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. Lastly, if this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So it's only a few days until we will be back here again. If you want to get all of our new episodes as soon as they're released, if you go to that same link, shamelessmom.com forward slash review, that takes you into iTunes where you can hit the little subscribe button. And then from there, all of our episodes will land in your device as soon as they are released. So you can join us every Monday and Wednesday. So thank you. Thank you for listening today. I'm sure this episode was powerful. You might need to listen more than once. Please do so if you need to and have a lovely day. And make sure no matter what you do today, and no matter how you spend your money, you do it shamelessly, and maybe a little more mindfully after listening in. I'll talk to you soon. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.